How many of you ready to get in the Word this morning? <laughs> All right, there we go. We're here. We're here this morning. Aren't you thankful that the Bible says, Scripture says, where two or more are gathered, I am there? Aren't you thankful for that? I, I've, I am so like, I, I'm so encouraged by that because it, it, how many of you know, the, really the only person that matters that's here is Jesus. Amen. And if he's here, um, we can welcome him and we can receive from him. And so I'd like to just do this right now. Can we just close our eyes and just lift our hands to the Lord and just begin to just thank him and just begin to look to Jesus. He's the reason we're here this morning. And so, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for what you have for us. Lord, we lift our hearts to you. We surrender all that we are to you. And, Lord, we ask that you would come and, Lord, that you would open your word to us, that you would speak to us, and that you would show us the things, Lord, that you have for us. Lord, that as we gaze upon you, as we gaze upon your beauty, Lord, that we would find that everything we need, everything that we desire, Lord, it is found in you and you alone. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, and the, the title of the message today is Eyes to See Him. Eyes to See Him. How many of you know it's important that we have eyes to see Him? to see him rightly, to see him in all of his beauty. You know, when we're singing those words, you know, I, I, it, it's, it, there's, uh, oh Lord, you're beautiful. What we're really saying, Lord, is everything that you are, everything that I need, every answer that I'm after, it is found in you. That he really is everything and everything, that he is our all in all. And we not, must have eyes that can see him because the reality is, is the world is coming at you with everything that it has. The world is full of darkness. It's full of distractions. It's full of despair and dissatisfactions. It's coming at us with everything that it can. And the world wants to keep us looking at the wrong things in order to keep our attention off of Jesus. Anybody relate? Right? You can come to church on a Sunday and you can be encouraged. You can be uplifted. You feel like you heard the Lord speak to you. But then all of a sudden, Monday through Saturday, you're going through your days and you're having conversations with people. You're seeing the news. You're, you're seeing, you're hearing things. You're watching things. And all of a sudden, that affection that you had, that fire that was burning inside is, is fading. You know, I love that verse that we just sang. Oh, Lord, please light the fire that once burned bright and clear. How many of you know there is an importance and a need today for believers to burn for him? To return to him as first love. That he would be our affection, that he would be the one that every corner we walk around, as soon as you step foot out of this building, the first thing you're looking for is him. Because he is our everything. He is our first love. And so we must look to Jesus. Stop looking at the world and look to Jesus. Stop fixing our eyes on the things that don't matter. Stop looking at the things that don't, don't really fulfill, that won't satisfy. Stop caring so much about the things that we should not be caring about. But look to Jesus and fall in love with him. Is this, are we, are we good? 
this morning? Is it okay that we talk about this? Your every answer is found in him. Somebody say amen. And so I want to start at Luke chapter 24. We're talking about eyes to see him. And we're just going to go through scripture this morning. And we're going to just allow the Lord to open his word to us. Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 13. This is after the crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And it says, now behold, two of them, two of the disciples, they were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And so it was, while they conversed and and reasoned, in other words, these two disciples are walking along the road and they're talking about everything that has happened. A lot has taken place. Jesus, their their rabbi, had died. He was crucified, and, and they were reflecting on all the things that he had said, the things that he had promised. They were reflecting on their expectations of who he would be and what he would do. And they were reasoning together on the road. They were walking side by side, talking about these these things. And notice, they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near. Jesus himself drew near. Who drew near? Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So here they are. They're walking on the road. They're talking about him. They're, They're reasoning. They're trying to figure this out. And all of a sudden, Jesus himself joins them on the road, draws near, and goes with them. How many of you know that's exactly what the Lord wants to do with us today? He wants to draw near to us and to walk with us. Amen? And notice what verse 16 says. It says, but their eyes, everybody say their eyes. Their eyes were restrained. How many of you know we can get so busy with life, so busy with our calling, so busy with just the things that need to get done, all the things that consume us, all the cares of the world, that our eyes can actually become constrained to see him. We don't see him the way that we should see him. He was right there with them, but they could not see him for who he was. Their eyes were restrained, and because our eyes get restrained, we oftentimes miss opportunities for the supernatural in our lives. How many of you know the Lord wants to do spectacular things in your life? He wants to reveal himself. He wants you to see him clearly. He wants you to draw draw near to him and to be with him. But so often our eyes are restrained, and that's what's happening here. They're literally walking with the resurrected Christ, but their eyes are restrained. Now, the interesting thing is, is these are not unbelievers. These are, these are believers who are walking on the road. Jesus shows up and the believers in him, the ones who knew him, the ones who followed him, they didn't even recognize him. It's so interesting, isn't it? They were so in their situation, they couldn't even see him. They're not seeing what he's doing. They're not hearing what he's saying. It says their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. How many of you know if we don't have eyes to see him, we won't be familiar when he shows up? 
if we are consumed about all the wrong things, Jesus could walk into this room and we wouldn't even know. Because our eyes are restrained. They're on everything else. Everything that you felt walking into this room, every concern, every care that you have, everything that you bring in that you are looking at that is not of him, it draws our attention from him. You see, if we don't have eyes to see, we won't be familiar with when he shows up. And in this moment, the resurrected Christ is walking with them and these disciples were to see Jesus in a new way. It's so interesting because these disciples, they knew Jesus as the crucified Christ, the one who died on the cross. But how many of you know Jesus wanted them to know him as the resurrected Christ, the one who had defeated death, the one who conquered the grave, the one who has been glorified. But they only knew the crucified Christ. Look at verse 17, it says, And he, he, Jesus, said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened here, there in, in these days? And he said to them, What things? And so they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Notice what they say in verse 21. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. But we were hoping. How many of you we're hoping for some things to happen and they haven't happened. How many of you expected that when you gave your life to the Lord, all of a sudden things would be just peaches and cream and roses and daisies, right? And, and that all things would work together for good and, and, all, and that everything would just be easy going. How many of you expected that, that when, when, you, when you believed in him that he would come through in specific ways? That's where these disciples were. They expected Jesus would come, that he would conquer, and that he would deliver his people, Israel. That he would fulfill the, the prophecy as they understood it. But how many of you know that what we see isn't always what God sees? Here they are, they're in despair. He says, we were hoping. In their minds, they're thinking, well, I guess it's not going to happen now. We really thought this was it. But he died. If God wanted to do it, I, 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 he would have done it by now. Anybody say anything like that before or thought those things? If God wanted me to be healed, it would have happened by now. If God wanted my family to be saved, it, it would have happened. I've talked to him about it. If God wanted me to be promoted at work, it would have happened by now. We were hoping, everybody say hoping, that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. So interesting that these disciples of Jesus 
And these women who were also followers of Jesus, they come to these disciples and they say, we saw a vision. Jesus's body, it was not there. And these angels said, Jesus is alive. But these disciples didn't believe it. They didn't believe in what the, what the women were saying. Jesus had told them before he had died that he was going to be raised on the third day. He told them this is what's going to take place. And when the women said he's alive, he is risen, they didn't believe. Isn't it something that Jesus could actually speak something to us? And we call ourselves believers, but we don't really believe. He may have said it. He may have spoken it. Other people may testify it. And we're like, yeah, but you don't know my situation. Yeah, but that, that doesn't really work for me. You see, these women saw real angels at the tomb saying, he is not here. He is risen. And when they told the disciples, they didn't believe. They didn't believe. How many of you know we need to believe? In order for us to see him rightly, we must first believe. We must believe that he is. We must believe that he will do what he said he would do. Amen? We must believe. And it, verse 24 says, And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it. We found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. How many of you know, if those disciples had believed those women's word, they would have known who was walking with them? If they would have believed that those women's word, when they said, he's not, he's not here, he is alive, he is risen. If they would have believed that when Jesus showed up, how many of you know, they would have saw him. But they didn't believe. In order to see, you must first believe. Believing is a prerequisite to seeing. You know, we can come to church and we can say things like, well, if God wants to do something, give me a vision. If God wanted me to see him, he would, I would see him. How many of you know there's a work in our heart that has to happen first? This isn't an, a mind issue. This isn't an intelligence issue. This is a heart issue. If your heart is slow, you will have difficulty seeing the Lord. But a heart that is humble, a heart that is surrendered to him, now that he can work with. Because you'll believe him. And you'll believe those who testify of him. These disciples did not believe and because they did not believe, they could not see. Are you with me? Thank you. And so these are Jesus' disciples. Look at what Jesus says in verse 25. Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and what? Slow of heart to believe. Slow of heart. How many of you know Jesus is after one thing? Your heart. If he can have your heart, then he can speak. And you'll hear. If he can have your heart, then when he walks into the room, you'll respond appropriately. You'll welcome him rather than resist him. Listen, 
Jesus is not convenient. We want Jesus to be on our schedule, on our time. No, Jesus will show up when you're least ready for it. You'll be worshiping for an hour and you got an appointment in the next 10 minutes, so you got to go. And when does Jesus show up? He shows up right then. Why? Because he wants your heart. Will you give that for me? Will you surrender that to me? And here's the disciples. He says, foolish ones. What makes them foolish? Your heart. They weren't dumb. He wasn't saying you, you, you're, you're foolish because you can't understand. No, it's your heart. This is a heart issue. How many of you know there's a lot of people who have a heart issue? I don't, I don't want to. I'm not comfortable worshiping like, like, like that. I'm not comfortable giving praise to the Lord. I'm not comfortable. May we have hearts that are surrendered to him. Amen. He says, oh, foolish one, slow of heart to believe. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he's saying, listen, don't you realize what's happening before your very eyes? Don't you realize what is actually taking place right now? The greatest event in all of history is literally taking place right before you. The resurrection of the Christ, the one that you are looking for, but you can't see because you're slow of heart. I don't know about you, but when Jesus speaks, I don't want to be slow of heart. Amen. I don't want to miss him when he shows up into the room. You know, I, I mentioned that scripture where two or more are gathered. He says, I am there. Do, what would happen if we really believed that when two of us got together, Jesus would show up? Would you approach that time a little differently? That if, you're, if you are in a, in a group and it's just you and one other person and you're like, Jesus is here. Would you approach that time a little different? Would you pray a little bit differently? Probably, if you really believed. The problem is, is we don't. We don't. We look at the world. We look at the results. We look at numbers. We look at what's happening. If, it was, if God was here, things would be working differently. How many of you know that's not true? We must not be slow of heart. Jesus says, Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Notice these aren't even new things. This has all been declared in scripture that this thing, these things would take place. I taught them to you. I spoke them to you and you still don't believe. The women showed up and spoke of these things, and you still didn't believe. Verse 26 says, Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, Jesus began to expound to them in all the scriptures the things concerning of himself. How many of you know Jesus began to teach them? How many of you know Jesus is our teacher? Amen? You may say, I, 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 I open the word and I don't understand it. Then ask Jesus to teach you. He will help you. You don't understand scripture? Before you start reading, say, Jesus, would you teach me? 
Because he'll show you things that you don't know. Things that you couldn't understand. Because they're spiritual things. And so Jesus is teaching his disciples and he begins to remind them what the scriptures say to help them get a picture in their hearts so that they can see. Verse 28 says, Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. Oh, the disciples got something right here. What did the disciples recognize? There's something different. I may not be seeing correctly, but there's something different about this man. Stay with us. Be with us. Don't leave. Listen, if you're having a hard time seeing the Lord, just say, Jesus, I'm not going anywhere. Would you stay with me? Would you abide with me right now? When you go into your room and you close the door and you begin to pray and you begin to worship, just begin to call out to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm not going anywhere until you reveal yourself to me, until you show me something, until you say something. Help me, abide with me. They said, abide with us, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. <laughs> now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them, he took the bread, he blessed it and broke it, and he gave it to them. And then what verse 31 says, then their eyes were opened and they knew him. They saw him for who he was. Something had shifted in them. Something had changed in them. It says their eyes were open. They knew him. And what? And then he vanished from their sight. It's like, what? We just saw you. And then he, he vanishes. What's going on? How many of you know that was Jesus' assignment? Jesus had fulfilled his, his assignment in that moment. We don't need Jesus in the flesh to do all things for us. Amen. We don't need him to do all things. Ephesians says we are the fullness of him who fills all in all. In other words, we are one with him. And so when you see him, when you see what he's doing, when you see what he's saying, you start doing the things that he would do. I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. So many believers get ambitious about going out to reach the world, but they don't have hearts that have first gone up to him. In order, before we can go out, we, our hearts must first go up. Amen. And this is so important because if we can see him and our hearts go up before him, then we can go out effectively and start doing the things that he does. Why? Because I know him. I know what he would do. I know how he treats people. I know how he would pray for people. I know what he has said about people. You see, Jesus knew once you see me, you're back on track. Amen. So they said to one another, Jesus vanishes. The disciples start talking and they say to one another, did not our hearts burn within us? Everybody say burn. When you see Jesus rightly, what happens to your heart? Come on. It burns for him. 
When we see Jesus, our heart starts to burn for him. Where we're consumed by him, where all we want is him. The disciples are saying, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? May our hearts burn for him when he opens the scriptures to us. Amen. It's why we're here. It's why we have these times. It's why we open scripture together. We're here for Jesus to start speaking to us, for Jesus to start teaching us to open those scriptures. These aren't just principles, you guys. These aren't just books of wisdom. We're opening up the scriptures and Jesus is talking to us and our hearts burn because we know Jesus is speaking to me. Verse 33 says, so they rose up at that very hour. When did they rise up? That very hour. In other words, they didn't hesitate. They didn't wait till it was convenient. No, they got up from that place at that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. It's interesting because they had just talked to Jesus out of leaving because the hour was what? It was late. It was time for bed. It was time to wind down. But because their hearts burned for him, they, le they left at that very hour. Why? Because they saw the Lord. You see, when you've heard the Lord and you've seen what the Lord is doing, it moves you to action. Amen. And these disciples were saying, I don't see things the way that I saw them yesterday. Because I've encountered Jesus, because I've heard Jesus, I must do something different. I must do the things that he's doing. I must say the things that he's saying. It moves you to action. So when you really believe what the Lord says, you become mobilized. You become active. It says, so they rose up that very hour, returned to Jerusalem, and they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord is indeed risen and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. They told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in what? The breaking of bread. I declare over every person here that in the breaking and opening of the scriptures, that Jesus would reveal himself to you. That you would see him and that it would cause your heart to burn for him. Amen. Now listen to this, Mark 16. This is Mark's account of the gospel. And I'm going to start at the same point. Jesus was raised, has been raised from the dead. And he's about to charge his disciples with the Great Commission. You guys know this one, right? Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Okay? Listen to, listen to the Mark, Mark's account in Mark 16, starting at verse 9. It says, Now when he arose early on the first day of the week, talking about Jesus, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. And she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard he was alive 
and had been seen by her, they did not, what? They didn't believe. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them. Those are the ones we just read about walking on the road. And as they walked and went into the country, and they went and told it to the rest of the disciples, but they did not what? They didn't believe them. Later, he, Jesus, he appears to the 11 disciples, and as they sat at the table, what did Jesus do? He rebuked their what? Their unbelief. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Why? Because they did not believe those. How many of you know it is so important, whoever is bringing the word, that we give our attention, that we give our attention, that we expect to see the Lord in those moments. He rebuked his disciples. He loved his disciples, but he rebuked them. How many of you know the Lord corrects those he loves? Sometimes we hear messages and, and there's a little bit of a, uh, an adjustment that needs to be made. And we're like, oh, I just don't, I don't like that. I just want to go to hear about happy things and good things. But the Bible says he corrects those he loves. Meaning if you're not being corrected, you're probably not hearing things correctly. <laughs> it's his mercy. It's his goodness. And he's rebuking his disciples. This is the resurrected Christ. And his first conversation with his, his disciples is he rebukes them for their unbelief. I don't know about you, but that would, that would feel like a failure. I, I would be kind of sad about that. That Jesus, who died, he's alive in the very room and he's like, how could you not see? How could you not believe? The women and these two disciples, they had come preaching the same thing that Jesus said, the same thing the prophet said, and they didn't believe it. How many of you know when there is the preaching of the word, we need to give attention because it's truth and we need to hear him, amen? Listen to verse 15. He rebuked them because they did not believe. Verse 15 says, and. Everybody say, and. What does that mean? He's not done. He rebuked them, and it says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes, everybody say believe. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who what? Believe. Jesus comes and he rebukes their unbelief and he says, now go into all the world and preach the gospel. These signs will follow those who believe. We got to believe, amen? And so Jesus rebuked them because they did not believe. Then Jesus says, go into all the world. These signs will follow those who believe. And this shows us that Jesus, he will come and he will speak to people who are having a hard time believing, amen? Aren't you thankful for that? We pick up a lot of things. As we go out from this place, we pick up a lot of things. We get dirty. 
Things get messy. Aren't you thankful that Jesus will come and he will speak to you to, if you're having a hard time believing? It's in his mercy that he begins to teach us, that he opens himself up and he begins to reveal himself. You see, Jesus draws near to us and he speaks to us to change our perspective, to cause something to happen that is not happening. So Jesus rebuked them and said, these signs will follow those who believe. Believe in what? Believe in me. Believe in what I have said. Believe in the scriptures because they testify of me. I'm going to close with this, Acts chapter 2. This is just several days later. Some days later, Jesus rebukes his disciples for their unbelief. And here are these disciples in the 120. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so we see here the Holy Spirit came upon them and empowered them just as Jesus had promised. Okay, verse 14. But Peter, everybody say Peter. Well, let me ask you, was he one of the disciples that Jesus rebuked? Yeah. Jesus had just been rebuked for his unbelief. Notice what Peter does. Peter, standing up with the eleven, he raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, said his God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Does that sound like Peter's believing the things that testify of Jesus? Does it sound like he believes? Sure does. Verse 30, therefore being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on the throne. He foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. Aren't you thankful you don't get it right and God will still use you? If we have hearts that will receive his word and believe him. If we have hearts that would receive what he is speaking. And here's Peter who had just been rebuked. Now he is talking boldly, declaring what God's word has said. Just a few days ago, he was disbelieving. A few days ago, he was rebuked. And some days later, his eyes were opened. And he no longer believed the same. He no longer thought the same. And because he had heard the Lord, it caused him to move. And now he's talking differently. He's preaching differently. The Holy Spirit is moving differently. And what was the end result? Peter gets up. He declares this truth. People are filled, and it says that day 3,000 people were added to the church. How many of you know we have to have eyes to see him? 
We have to see him. So I want to ask, what do you see? What are you looking at? What is consuming your thoughts? What are you worried about? It's time to look to the Lord. And you might be here and you're, you, you're, you're thinking in your mind, how does that fix my problem? Because he's all in all. When he speaks, when you see him, it changes who you are. And when you see him, you start to do the things he would do. You might have the same habit for the last 30 years. Look to Jesus. You cannot see him and be the same. You cannot see him and feel the same way. That means if you have hopelessness, if there's despair in your heart, when you see him, what happens? He fills you with joy. He fills you with who he is. How many of you know that causes you to think a little bit differently? What do you see? And will you look to him today? Can we stand together? And I I'm, I'm just want to pray over you guys. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, may we never look past you. May we never get so stuck in what we see in the moment that is not you. Lord, that our eyes wouldn't get locked on the wrong things. How am I going to be successful? What am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do to make money? How am I going to provide for myself? Lord, you said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added. You are the one thing that matters. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are calling us to have eyes to see, to see you as the crucified Christ, as the risen Christ, the one who's seated on the throne, the one who gave his life for us so that we could have life with you forever. The one who has forgiven us, the one who is merciful, the one who is gracious, the one who has been glorified, the one who's been given the name above every names. May we see you and have hearts that are soft. Lord, let our hearts not be slow. Lord, we repent, Lord, of not giving you the rightful place. Lord, we repent, Lord, for treating your, your presence carelessly and recklessly.
Lord, we repent for resisting you in those times, Lord, where you were calling us to be with you. But Lord, we had other things in mind. We had other plans. We had other agendas. But Lord, may we be people, Lord, that who, when you call and you say, seek my face, Lord, that we would be people who say, yes, Lord, your face I will seek. Lord, do a work in us. Purify us, cleanse us, wash us. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we come to your word, Lord, that you would open your scriptures to us, that you would burn within us, Lord, that your word would be food to us, that it would energize us, that it would fill us, Lord. I pray that every person here, Lord, that they would have eyes to see you in Jesus' name. Can we do this right now? Just let's respond to the Lord. And I'm just going to ask, just lift our hands to the Lord and just say, Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes to a new degree. Help me to see you so that I can believe and experience all that you have for me. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just begin to thank the Lord. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word. We praise you. We glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.